From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, February 1st. The family of a Ugandan woman killed at Arches National Park will receive more than $10 million in damages. The amount was substantially less than the family of Esther or Essie Nakajigo asked for, but their attorneys celebrated the judgment, noting it was the largest federal wrongful death verdict in Utah history. Nakajigo and her husband Ludovic Michaud were vacationing in Arches National Park in the summer of 2020, just a few months after their wedding. As the couple was leaving the park, wind gusts swung a gate into the passenger side of their car. The gate was improperly secured, and its metal bar decapitated Nakajigo. You know, I had PTSD, so which means for the first weeks or months, I had like hundreds of flashbacks in loop, like you see the scene like a hundred times. That's Michelle speaking to KZMU News last year. I'm committed to getting better, but it's a full-time job, I would say. Throughout the trial in U.S. District Court, attorneys debated Nakajigo's earnings potential. At just 25 years old, the Ugandan human rights activist had a long list of accomplishments. She used her college tuition money to create a community health center in Uganda. She made two reality TV shows that sought to empower women, and she was named Uganda's ambassador for women and girls. You know, immediately attracted to, uh, you know, her sense of humor, her brilliance. She was super smart, and I, I understood that very quickly. I, I immediately loved her right away, yeah. Nakajigo was living with Michaud in Denver, Colorado, where she attended a leadership course on a full scholarship. Michaud and Nakajigo's parents asked for $140 million in damages from the U.S. government based on her earnings potential and their own grief and loss. Senior Judge Bruce Jenkins said it was all but impossible to put a price on Nakajigo's life and potential. He wrote, quote, expressions of love, respect, admiration, the talk of raising at least three children are all circumstances, among other things, now lost and incapable of ever being fully replaced. Jenkins awarded $9.5 million to husband Michaud, $700,000 to Nakajigo's mother, and $350,000 to her father. During the trial, an attorney representing the U.S. government said, quote, The United States was 100% at fault, and we want to express on behalf of the U.S. our profound sorrow for your loss. Find a KZMU profile on Nakajigo's life in the show notes of today's news. The Bureau of Land Management is proposing a rule to limit climbing and ban slacklining, skydiving, and other aerial sports in hell-roaring and mineral canyons. As Emily Arnson reports, the new rule is intended to protect the bighorn sheep and raptors that live in those areas. If it passes, the new rule would only ban recreation in a small portion of the canyons. The Mineral Bottom Base Jumping Focus Area, the Mineral Bottom Airstrip, Corner Tower, and the Fruit Bowl Highlining Area will still be open for roped and aerial sports. Hiking, camping, and driving will still be allowed in this area. Sections of Hell Roaring and Mineral Canyons recently became a special wildlife area managed by the Moab Field Office. These canyons are home to Utah's only herd of desert bighorn sheep and raptors such as golden eagles and the Mexican spotted owl. In the proposal, the BLM argues that climbing, slacklining, base jumping, and other similar sports threaten the habitats of these animals. 
Public comments on the proposal will be accepted until March 31st. For KZMU, I'm Emily Ernson. California is out with a proposal for cutbacks to the amount of water it uses from the Colorado River. Alex Hager with our partners at KUNC has the details. This proposal comes a day after the other six states that use the river's water agreed to their own. California's would conserve less water and asks federal authorities to respect existing laws for how the river is shared. The proposal is mostly hinged on a plan first announced last October, where California would cut back on its Colorado River use by about 9 percent. Both California's pitch and the other six-state agreement come as feds are looking for new ways to prop up the nation's largest reservoirs. Climate change is shrinking supplies, and states have been deadlocked over plans to reduce demand. I'm Alex Hager. The Northwestern Band of the Shoshone Nation commemorated the Bear River Massacre over the weekend. Amy Van Tatenhove with our partners at Utah Public Radio reports. The site of the massacre lies along the Bear River just north of the Utah border near Preston, Idaho. The event drew over 100 people, even in the bitter winter cold. In attendance were representatives from local and federal agencies, tribal members, and local students. While not present in person, Idaho Governor Brad Little offered his support by proclaiming the day as a day of remembrance. Darren Perry, former chairman of the Northwestern Band of the Shoshone Nation, shared the events that transpired the morning of the massacre. It was in this location that our people were spending the winter as they had done for centuries. Nearby hot springs provided a welcome relief, a time to catch up with family and friends, a time of renewal and healing. A half mile to the east, Patrick Connor and his 220 calorie had the same bird's eye view on that cold January morning, probably much like today. As they made their way down from this bluff just right up here towards a sleeping Indian village. The massacre site has remained a priority for the Shoshone, despite the tragedy that unfolded at the hands of the U.S. Army. Perry compared the tribe's attention to the area to other historical sites tied to painful events. When something terrible happens at a place where human lives are lost, That place always seems to take on a new meaning. The 14.6 acres of the World Trade Centers. The beaches of Normandy. A homemade memorial at the site of the road where a fatal traffic accident occurred. Places that haunt and hurt for the wounds that they hold. But for some reason they still compel us to go back for some unexplainable comfort. Along with speeches were music performances, prayer, and remembrance of tribal members who passed away recently and during the massacre. Brad Perry, vice chairman of the Northwestern Shoshone, offered gratitude to those who have assisted in putting together future plans for the site. We're grateful for all of you for stepping up and helping, and that completes the sacred circle. We have to join together as human beings and recognize each other in that way. And completing this project will do that because we have so many people that are assisting us and volunteering and and giving us funding to do these things. Amy Van Tatenhove with our partners at UPR reporting. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, February 1st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.